Pass First point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got a fun show for you today. A little bit of Blazers news up top, and then we'll play my conversation with Joe Freeman of the Oregonian, a f- former colleague, longtime friend Joe Freeman. Uh, we talked last week a little bit about the Blazers television deal, um, you know, why the switch to, to Root Sports, what it means for those of us who have regular television packages and, and streaming options. We discussed some of the streaming options for those of us who are cord cutters out there in the world. And then uh, Joe and I talked a little bit about basketball, a little about the, the your Portland Trailblazers, the fighting pinwheels. So that's what I'm going to play for you in uh, today's show is the second half of our conversation. Joe and I talking hoops. But before I play in my chat with Jay Free, let's talk a little, a little news. The Blazers have added another player to the training camp roster, reportedly signing Patrick Patterson to a training camp deal, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. That gives the Blazers three uh, reported training camp ads. I, I imagine they'll add a couple more, but uh, Pat Patterson, 2Pat, a.k.a. Pat Pat, 2Pat is my preferred nickname in case you're curious, joins the uh, joins the training camp invites along with Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris. Uh, the Blazers have 13 guaranteed contracts on the roster right now. They're only going to keep 14. They can keep a maximum of 15, but they are choosing not to do that. That is a, that is a team preference, not a league rule at all. So Patrick Patterson will get a chance to come into training camp and compete with Chris and Dennis Smith to uh, to get it to make that 14th roster spot. A couple things here. One, a listener, Dr. J, pointed this out. I've been kind of saying that, like, oh, it's just it's the 14th man, and I think that is true. This is the 14th person they're going to sign, but like theoretically on the depth chart, this this person, whoever they sign out of training camp, is probably not 14th. Like you can probably pencil in something like C.J. Ellaby for 14th and Greg Brown Jr. for 13th. So we're really talking about like the 12th person on the depth chart. So it's not like. In a, in a perfect world, you know, everyone's healthy and the back half of your bench, including like the guys you sign in training camp, don't play. Like they're not a big part of the plan. But I think it's important to note, and I'm thank you, Dr. J, for sending me an email to uh, to alert me to this or at least like call this to my attention the way language, why language is important is like, this isn't the 14th person. This isn't buried on the depth chart. The Blazers have two young players that are probably buried on the depth chart. You, This is a veteran who maybe wouldn't play every single night, but you're going to expect some like some minutes out of at some point as as probably, you know, 12 on the depth charts and, and maybe even higher up if you take uh, take a big, which I think the Blazers should do. But who is Patrick Patterson? Uh, if you missed shows, uh, if you don't know Dennis Smith Jr. or Marquise Chris, uh, I talked about him last week. Just search in your feed. Um, the, the show is titled, it, it, the show title starts with their names, Dennis Smith Jr. and Marquise Chris. So if you're, you're curious, who else do the Blazers have in training camp? There's already an episode waiting for you in your feed where I broke down both players and my thoughts on what the Blazers might do uh, with those two additions. But let's talk a little bit about two Pat, uh, the 11 year NBA veteran, a 6'10 big. Uh, he's probably like a, like you would think of him as like, oh, this guy is a power forward. And I think that's like, a, that's like totally reasonable language. Um, he's probably best deployed as a small ball center at this point. Like he's like, he's probably a little too slow to guard like modern force for any long stretches. He could play that position. It wouldn't be a big deal, but I think he's, he's probably best used as a, as like an emergency stretchy five and stretchy is the big word here. 63% of two Pat's field goal attempts are three-pointers. That's 
nearly two thirds of all his shots. He's he he really doesn't shoot many mid-range jumpers anymore, although he did early in his career, and he's he's pretty limited with uh, rim attempts. But um, he gets he gets in there a little bit by virtue of being six ten. But he's he's you really where you're going to see him do his damage, or he's done his damage recently, is in the corners. Thirty-two percent of all of his field goal attempts came from the corners. It's ninety-ninth percentile in in terms of shot distribution, shot frequency. Nobody that's a pretty high percentage compared to the league, and those numbers are courtesy of CleaningTheGlass.com. Tupat's not a rebounder. He's a big guy, like 6'10", 6'11", but he's not a rebounder. Um, the really, really low rebounding rates, both on offense and defense. He's a spacer. You know, if you stand in the corners to stand at the arc, there's uh, less opportunities for you to rebound on offense. Uh, and he's just, he's not that on the defensive end. He's not like, he's not this big bruising uh, rebounder type. He's a shooter. He's a spacer. Last year, appeared in 38 games, including five starts, averaged 5.2 points and two rebounds with the Clippers. Uh, he's played the last two seasons with the Clippers. I'll say this. I... I've kind of liked Patrick Patterson as like a, you know, competent but not particularly good defending stretchy big who can play the four and the five at, at other stops in his career. I've been I've been kind of like, ooh, a nice little bent addition. I'm not sure I believe that in, you know, heading into year 12 of his NBA, NBA career, but I, I think in theory he could help. Like I don't, you know, he's not... Um, He's, 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 his efficiency has dropped off a little bit from shoot, from shooting and that kind of has killed the appeal a little bit. He shot, uh, his splits were 43.6. That's field goal percentage, uh, 35.7 from three and 76 and a half from the free throw line. Like if he's going to shoot below NBA average from three, he's not really like, he's not really a useful basketball player um so that has that has kind of uh changed my opinion on him but there was a time a couple years ago when I was like, I may have been like a, just a real deal believer in, in two Pat, um, just looking at the three names that they've invited to uh, to training camp, I believe, and, I, and I'll, I'll repeat this again, I think I've said it a bunch, but it's if, if there are new listeners, welcome, this remains my opinion, and if there are old listeners, this is still my opinion. Uh, the Blazers need front-line depth. Uh, backup point guard would be a nice, nice thing to add to, but absolutely more important to add front-line depth. It'd be irresponsible to go into the season with just... Uh, Cody Zeller and Yusuf Nurkic at the five. I know Larry Nance can play a little like small ball five, but if you need Larry Nance to play, you know, 65, 70 games of center, first of all, that's like too much of an ask. And second of all, he's had his own health issues. Like it's just, they need frontline depth. So I would lean, Marquise Chris remains my number one sort of choice number of the person I've got my eye on. I think he's, I think he's would be the most valuable ad. Then I probably lean Patterson just because like my, my sort of roster building theory is that you need size. You can do like frontline depth is, is like still the most important thing for this team. Stop playing around. <laughs> uh, like, but Dennis Jr. obviously is like, has potential to be a better basketball player. I just don't see where like a six, three point guard is like the, is what this group needs. Particularly if this group is like, if this if this team is good, I can't imagine Dennis Smith Jr. is the is the person that helps them be good. And I can imagine a situation where this team is good and having uh, like an athletic depth center like Marquise Chris is 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 the path forward. And I guess I can imagine that same thing with like a stretchy big and Patrick Patterson. Certainly, they don't really have that like a like a stretchy big on the roster. Um, they like Larry Nance is that in theory, but he doesn't um, he doesn't shoot threes the way Patrick Patterson does. So like this is a this is a skill set they don't have. Have, and I think in that way he's intriguing. Would be a solid vet. Um, not sure that he's a net positive. I, I think he's probably a net negative on the court at this stage in his career. But if you're talking about like, hey, you know, we're looking for, we need our th- our third center needs to help us. I think Patrick Patterson at least gets you close to to sort of being able to help. 
All right, in the second segment, let's come back and I'm going to play a little bit of my conversation with Joe Freeman. The end of my conversation with Joe Freeman, we talked all things basketball. Is going to, what we're going to do to close out the show is, is uh, my interview, extended interview with Joe Freeman. If you missed our talk about Blazers uh, television options, Freeman has been all over that story. Broke the news in June, has been um, reporting it out for like literally a decade, the, this Blazers uh, broadcast option. So uh, be sure to go back and listen to that in your feed. And I hope you in, uh, enjoy the conversation we're going to play for you in the second and third segments. But before we get to that wonderful conversation, I want to tell you about Sweat Block. Sweat Block wipes are stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. And here's how it works. You just apply it the night before you before you go to bed. Wipe it on your underarms, wipe it up in your pits. Next morning, wake up and go about your day with confidence. The confidence to wear what you want and not have to worry about heavy perspiration. Sweatblock believes in its product. That's why they're giving you the dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you're getting your money back. Simple as that. Uh, Sweatblock wipes have been a best seller on Amazon for the past 10 years. There's over 13,000 reviews over on that website. So if you want to read customers who have tried the product and like it, there's literally thousands of them waiting for you over on Amazon. But if you're ready to buy, go to sweatblock.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off. It's also available at Amazon, like I said, and at your local CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. What I'm about to play now is my conversation with Joe Freeman, a longtime Blazers reporter for the Oregonian, who now reports on all, many, many sporting events for the Oregonian, but I've covered the Blazers for uh, a decade plus since the 2007 season. Uh, my friend and colleague when I used to work at the O with him, Joe Freeman, uh, like I said in the first segment, we, this is uh, this is the second part of our conversation. We talked a bunch about the Blazers' sort of uh, broadcast situation and their streaming options. That first part of this conversation is available in your feeds right before this one. But here is my combo with Joe talking all things Blazers. What do you make of the Blazers offseason? Like in all it entails, like what do you, what happened this summer? Well, just an impossible scenario. If you're the uh, running things uh, to, to appease everybody, to rework this roster, to, to just an impossible situation. I like a lot of their moves and I think they are a better team. I think they're a good team for the regular season. Yep. I, I think they're better than a lot of people think. They're going to win a lot of games. It's just that something's going to need to happen at the trade deadline if they're going to hope to be a good playoff team. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think that they have solved the riddle for the regular season. 
they're going to be good on offense. That that starting lineup is good. Uh, they've had some versatility, I think, with Larry Nance Jr. and, and Covington coming back and keeping Norm. Mm-hmm. Like, I think versatile enough to win during the regular season. Um, if they get health from their centers, like if Zeller and Nurk are healthy, they're going to be good all year. This is like a, a team that could conceivably finish something like third in the West if everything breaks right. Like, they'll probably be healthier than they were last year. You know, you're not going to – maybe CJ won't miss 30 games or whatever it was. Like, but – are you a, are you good enough defensively? Do you have a good enough top eight guys and good enough defensively and creative enough offensively to win a playoff series? And I don't know that they've answered that question. Uh, yeah, and and you know, so much of this team lives and will live and die based upon Yusuf Nurkic. And yep. when we see Yusuf, the good Yusuf Nurkic, you're like, boom! This is yes, this team is something special. We just don't see that regularly. And, you know, he's battled injuries, obviously, in recent years. And he showed up, you know, uh, sad and out of shape last year, which sabotaged everything. And then he got hurt. So, you know, that all happened. But to have so much depend on this person who you, at this point, can't rely on is is a potential problem. So if you're the Blazers, you're going to need good Yusuf Nurkic. And you've heard Chauncey Billups kind of talk to people indirectly a lot about, hey, I want to work through this guy more than this team has. I want him to become a focal point passing, it seems to me, more than anything. Yeah, and maybe, which, yeah, maybe posting up a little bit more too. Yeah, which is all great, but you've got to be able to depend on this guy. So there's going to be even more put on him. And so I need to see how that shakes out. I will say, you know, I mean, he missed so much time. CJ missed so much time. That is two guys who are so immensely important to your team missing so much time. And I mean, how many teams would have done as well as they did without two important guys. And, you know, CJ, multiple people have told me when he came back, he was still never healthy. Yeah. He was never healthy when he came back. He was never healthy in the postseason. And I'm not excusing his, his disappearing act when it mattered most, but you know, that, that is telling that he came back and just was never quite right. So to have him back and right, to have Yusuf back, I think there's going to be a lot of motivation with these guys. Uh, I mean, if you're these guys and you play with Dame, do you really want him to want to leave? Like, there's just a lot, not writing, not only for this franchise, but for a lot of these these guys as well in the, in the nucleus of this team. But again, I think it's going to be a really good regular season team. I think it's a better team than a lot of people give it credit for. And a lot of reason I think that that is that people are down on them is because Dame is, was so quote unquote unhappy and he, you know, wanted all these moves and then nothing happened, you know, yeah. there was no gigantic earth shattering move. And so, well, it's a disappointing off season. And so you have this, this tendency to be downtrodden about it. It's still a damn good team that I think will be very good in the regular season. Again, I just, Neil's going to have to do something at the deadline to in, you know, find a team and find the right guy to mesh uh, alongside Dave to Dame to both keep him happy and then to, for this team to take that next step in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's just a tough needle to thread. Like he's really good at minor moves. Like the mm. flipping Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell. Good stuff. Uh incredible. Even Bazemore for Trevor Reese a couple years ago saved a season that was heading south. Obviously, um flipping Mason Plumlee for Yusuf Nurkic was ended up being a pretty good decision. Like he's good at that. That is a Larry Nance Jr. now. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a great signing. Yeah. Yeah, flipping flipping like a mistake contract of Derek Jones Jr. and a first for Larry Nance is good good stuff. Good like good work. Robin Lopez seven years ago right. was when it happened. You're like whatever. 
turned out to be a really critical piece on that a, was you know, on a that was my first year on the beat joe and i remember you asking him like well where is your where's your cornerstone this was a very different time you could still just we were out on the practice court as a that's how long ago this was it's not very formal media and you said but where's your center of the future and he 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 grabbed you and turned around and said, he's right over there. He's 25 years old. He's right over there, Joe. And I was like, man, Neil's wild, but he was right. Like he was, I mean, he was, Robin Lopez changed that team. Like he's good Mm -hmm. at margin stuff. It's just, I think we've got to a crossroads where they need more than the margins. Like the, the ask is bigger than that. So, yeah, and he is for better or worse uh, married and has been married to C.J. McCollum, and and you know his unwillingness in the past to trade him has you know that's where that's why the team is where it's at now. One might argue that that was the right decision because Dame and C.J. are pretty tight, and you wonder how much Dame has had right. in influencing that decision too. Does he really want his best friend gone? Um, but then you know then you're like, well, Dame, you want a guy, and you know so. There's a lot to work with there. Again, an impossible task for Neil with how things ended last year with your superstar being, uh, you know, however you want to coin how Dame is. Fr- frustrated. And he was frustrated. I think that, frustrated. I think, I think that he was open about his frustration. I don't think that's speculation. He was, he wanted something. He wanted more yeah. than he's got right now. Yeah. And, you know, with the whole coaching search, it was just... It was not a good offseason in pretty much any measurable aspect for right. the Blazers. And so uh, it'll be interesting once basketball starts. Look, look, Neil is all in on Chauncey Billups. And, and, and as you and I both could attest, for years he has been enamored with Chauncey Billups. Yeah. He loved him when he uh, played for him, and he loves his leadership. He loves his motivational uh, you know, uh, potential. And, and he's got a sharp basketball mind. He's never coached. Well, he's never been a head coach. So right. that's a whole nother ball game. We'll see how he can manage these egos and how he can keep and foster, you know, chemistry and cohesion and all that. Because, you know, I think when people in the casual basketball fan hears coach, they hear pick and roll and X's and O's and defense and so on and so forth. But man, such a high percentage of coaching is keeping people happy, keeping yeah. the locker room in, in un, with unity and, and keeping the whole organization in happy and totally. And it's not just chemistry. players, it's ownership and it's, it's the front office. Like I had Steve Jones jr. Who's who on my podcast earlier this week and he's worked in the league. And he was like, I don't wish anyone that jo- like uh, that job on anyone. Cause it's so hard because it's like, mm-hmm. it's obviously there's a bunch of X's and O's stuff. Like you said, there's a bunch of pick and roll stuff, but like the ego management from every direction is Insane. Yeah, quite a tad. And then you have every move you make is analyzed, overanalyzed, and judged by every fan who's rooting for you because they all know more than you. Exactly. Uh, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah so I host a, a daily team. podcast, Joe. You think I'm not going to spend time picking apart poor Chauncey Billups? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm going to like and subscribe, like wherever you already get podcasts. I'd love for you to listen, tell your friends about the show, but like, that's not fair. <laughs> it's yeah. not fair. Like it's, and also the pressure is you better be good right away. Like yeah, if the Blazers start like, you know, nine and 12 or whatever in their first 20 games, it's going to get loud. Like the, 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 uh Oh, Dame's gone anyways is back. Like it's, that'll yeah. be back with a vengeance. Like I worry about that this season a little bit is that every screw up, every injury, every sort of like, oops, they should have lost this game up seven with three minutes left. And they lost every game comes back to the, like, well, this is what's going to cause Dame to leave, and it'll just be 
even if it doesn't impact like impact them sort of directly that it's just an just a tough thing to deal with all year yeah i was going to say it's it's something that's always going to be kind of hanging overhead right. lurking overhead <clears throat> and you're right seven game lose streak well dame's gone you know yeah. it's just going to be a never ending kind of subplot to the season which is unfortunate but it's the reality of the of the situation i will say one thing that kind of you know last season's team was kind of sabotaged and and from the beginning it yeah. was a uh, the season happened with a snap of a finger, and then there was barely any training camp, and then they had to shut it down because of a COVID outbreak, and Nurk showed up out of shape and, you know, reeling from from the death of his grandmother. And historically, this team, and, and things are a little different now because Terry Stotts is gone, but September is arguably the most important month for that team, more important than training camp almost, because they get all the guys in, they do this run, they get together, and there's always some kind of moving parts with this organization. And they build the backbone of their chemistry and, and of how they want to play and familiarize themselves together, you know, during that month. And then you start training camp and boom, they're kind of ahead of most other organizations because of that. And and they didn't get that last year. And that set them behind immediately. And they started slow and then it, injuries. And then, you know, here we are a year later. But, you know, I think anybody uh, at any aspect of the organization, um, no one was surprised that the coaching change was made. Right. There were assistant coaches have told me they expected it to happen, that they knew Neil wanted to get Chauncey and that that was something on their radar a year ahead of, or, you know, beforehand. Um, and, and sometimes change can be good. You know, there's a reason that Terry was the third or fourth longest tenured coach in the NBA. It, it It's a tough business as it's you rare. mentioned. Yeah. And guys, yeah. Guys don't last that long. And so, you know, sometimes you just got to make a move. Uh, and I, I think it was the right time and the right move at at the time. And we'll see if it was the right guy uh, is, is what ultimately this season yeah. will tell us. Yeah, I, I think it's it's tough because I think Chauncey can be, end up being a pretty good coach. But the, the bar for this being a successful season is probably unfair to him. Uh, like it's he might even be the right hire, but he's might mm-hmm. be the, the the wrong person for this particular job just because it's such a tall task. So I hope he gets a fair shake just because if you get, you don't get a lot of shots to be a head coach in the league. And if it doesn't work out for you, um, you might never get back. You might never get another opportunity. So um, it's just, he, this is a tough, he's got a tough task ahead of him because yeah, they could I be will good. S- they could win 50 games and it won't matter. Mm-hmm. I will say this. He got a five-year deal. Yeah, he's so got the money. Got some, he's got some security and he's got the money. But also, he's a person, uh, because of his playing background, because of his reputation, um, because of just who he is, he walks in and he immediately commands respect from every single player in that locker room, every single player person in the organization. And so that means something to, to today's NBA player especially. Sure. And, so, and, and that'll be... Not that Terry didn't command respect, but he didn't have that that background as a player and a, a champion. Uh, he was a champion coach, but not a champion player. And so that does mean something with a guy like Dame and with a guy like CJ and, and you going down the line. And so, you know, when he speaks, it will carry a certain amount of weight. And if he's a guy who's going to be talking about defense, 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 he's going to have to hold people accountable and that's not just holding your Zach Collins accountable and your Robert Covington's accountable. That's holding Damian Lillard accountable and yep. holding CJ McCollum accountable. And so those film review sessions look a lot different when you're Damian Lillard, perhaps under the new edict and the new leadership, 
with Chauncey directing those than maybe it did with Terry. Yeah, and it says, you know, hey, Zero, what the hell is this? Like, you can't, you know, you this can't happen type of thing, which from what I understand was relatively rare in the in the Stotts era. Yeah. Not that he didn't and, get coached, but he, but he wouldn't get called out like that. Not, not to that degree, yeah. Certainly not to the degree that everybody else did. And that's going to be a kind of a subplot or an interesting behind-the-scenes thing, too, because on the one hand, if you're going to be holding people accountable, then that's how you need to coach. On the other hand, this is your potentially disgruntled superstar that you don't want to, you know, anger along the way. So it's going to be a, a balancing act with, with all that. Let's come back in the third segment and I'll play the rest of my conversation with Joe Freeman. But before we come back to close out the show, let me tell you about Rock Auto. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers for over 20 years and they specialize in helping the do-it-yourselfers. Now, you can get the same great prices whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional auto mechanic. All of it is going to be cheaper and easier to find on rockauto.com. But what they're really here to help is those folks who, who want to work on their car with our, the, without the hassle of going to auto parts stores, big chain auto parts stores, or their dealership. If you can, if you can figure this out in your driveway or your garage, Rock Auto is for you. You don't have, you don't have to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts if you try to go to that chain store or the car dealership. Because Rock Auto's prices are always reliably low for every customer, and they got everything you could possibly need for your car. So go explore their easy-to-use website. Find a solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way, they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Lasers. Talk a little bit about the signing of Patrick Patterson. The Blazers training camp roster is filling out in that first segment. Played him a conversation with Joe Freeman, talking about the Blazers offseason and the challenges ahead for Chauncey Billups in the second in the second segment. I want to play more of my conversation with Joe here in the third as we continue to talk about what's ahead for Chauncey Billups and what's ahead for the Blazers this season. So here's the rest of my conversation with Joe. My question for, for Billups is like, he can get buy-in in certain spots. Defense. Check the box. Uh, maybe they play a little faster. Check, maybe check that box. Then ball moves a little bit more. You convince Dame to get play off the ball a little bit more. You, you, be, you might be able to get. Say you have five things you want to get. Generously, he could get two of them. <laughs> like like you know, it's like you're just not gonna. I don't see, regardless of how good of coach he is, like the massive massive overhaul, the buy in for like a guy at the the level of team that you're playing with. So it's like, what do you get if you get the defense to be all the way this way? Do you have to take do you have to make some concessions on offense? You know, like does the offense still just like heavy pick and roll or do you convince them that movement is the thing and we're going to do all this, but then maybe you don't take, you know, it's like, I, my wonder is like, I just think it's unreasonable to think that you get all of it. So what, what do you get and what does Chauncey make his thing? And it sounds like the thing is going to be defense, right? Like. Yeah, 100%. And all of that that you talk about certainly is difficult to get, and it's certainly not going to happen on day one. So right, it's right. always going to be a work in progress, um, you know, to, towards ultimately getting to where you want to get. But, I mean, when you talk this much about defense, from a front office standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from all that, you better deliver 
on, on defense. And I don't know what type of impact that's going to have on offense because you still need to play, uh, you know, and score points, obviously. But um, that will be just such a huge storyline in general is, is, you know, what's the Blazers' defense? And, you know, I will say this. There's also the whole Neil, you know, pretty much saying this isn't a roster issue. This was a coaching issue. And so, you know, to go from and, and you know, he is extremely bullish on that starting lineup with with Norman Powell and kind of the three guard look. And so, yeah. you know, all of that will be put to the test as well. So it's how does Chauncey balance that and how does he balance because they're they're a fairly deep team. They have a lot of pieces, but you've got to learn to, you know, micromanage and 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 figure out how it all comes together also yeah for a guy who really believed in the roster neil certainly did upgrade the back half of it (laughs) yeah well and that's you know for blazers fans and and us media types we don't have to watch carmelo anthony and ennis Cantor play on that bench unit anymore and when you talk about defense that automatically upgrades your defense an immeasurable amount well there probably is a way to measure it but um I mean, I had someone tell me, uh, an assistant coach, that Carmelo would go out there and they wouldn't even know what he was doing on defense. He wasn't following the scouting reports. He was just basically going rogue. And they're like, well, I, you know, what are you going to do? You've made this commitment to a guy to kind of protect his legacy. So they backed themselves into a corner there. And anyway, we're getting off on a tangent, but the yeah. point is that their defense is going to be better just because those two guys aren't such an integral part of their bench. And for everything they brought, boy, they killed you in, in that in that standpoint. <laughs> one of my favorite mellow things is that because I'll, I'll I don't care about tangents. Uh, one of my favorite mellow things <laughs> is that he used to he used to switch off the ball in a way that no one else on the team did. And sometimes it would work. It'd be like, nice. Okay. They like passed off this little action and they got to stay in front. But other times he'd just be doing it because it it was less running. It seems like. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, okay, well, you, hey, you take him. I don't want to go all the way up there. I can't stay with him. And it would be like with Nas or somebody. And it's yeah. like, because your little can't play out of scheme at this level. Like that, you're just, you're setting my mans, you're setting a young player up to fail. Um, and it would just be like, it would always be something and be like, wait, what is it? Like, is this it? Is Mello allowed to do this thing or is he just, is he going rogue? Um, and it sounds like more often than not, the, uh, my assumption that it was rogue is, was, uh, was true. It's- yeah. And then, you know, talk about a tangent. Uh, one thing that peop- nobody talks about this because of Dame and because of the moves and where's Neil's at and all that stuff. How big of a season is this for Anthony Simons? Huge. He is someone, it's like, it's now for my guy. And I love Anthony as a player and as a person. He is an awesome human being. He's the kind of guy you root for that you want to succeed. We've been hearing about how good he is for a while now. And if he can deliver on what Neil thinks and says said he is, I mean, how how much is that going to change the dynamic and the bench unit and the roster com or lineup combinations that Chauncey can can throw out there? So it's it's also guys like that and guys like Nasir Little, and that's what made me think of it was when you brought up Nasir Little. Like these are guys with some pretty damn good talent that you're waiting to kind of see unleashed. Totally, Ant is a really good at one thing. He can really shoot it, but he was not supposed to be a one one thing. You know, he's a great athlete. Like he's mm-hmm. a, he's a you know, it's like. He's not supposed to be a spot up shooter. He's, he's and a that's slam kind dunk of, champion. Yeah, that's what he's like. He we just he just needs more wrinkles to his game. He doesn't need to take this massive massive step forward, but he needs to be a more than just a standstill shooter in order for this team to get where they need to go. 
he already checks the box as elite shooter. Very valuable skill. It's just what else can he do? And if and if he can't do anything, he's going to have a long career in the league. He's six four, and he can he can he gets you know shoots above forty percent, can get his own shot off from deep. He's just not going to be the answer for this team and what they need. Uh, I think um, I think both things can be true. He can be pretty good, but not the solution for this group. And it'll be interesting to see looking at a new coach and an entire new coaching staff is. What do a new set of eyeballs right. and a new perspective, how does that influence guys like Ant and guys like Nasir and, and guys who are still very much, you know, in the development stage? Because sometimes that can have a huge impact on, oh, yeah, I never looked at it like that. I've been totally. getting, you know, coaching from this way for so long and now I'm getting this. Sound. Yeah, that worked. And then you kind of see the light bulb go on or or them develop in other ways. And so that's kind of will be interesting to see what kind of imprint they make from that perspective. Because look, continuity and familiarity and consistency is incredibly important and it is extremely valuable. But sometimes you reach the the, the ceiling and right. a fresh perspective can come in and just you know, produce much better results. And I think, you know, that's where we're at with this team potentially. Yeah. I think that was always the argument for a new coach. It wasn't that Terry was, I know there were a, maybe a very vocal set of the fan base that thought he was like way in over his head X's and O's wise. But I think mostly the argument is just that fresh eyes are the, are so valuable, fresh perspective, fresh eyes, new voice in the locker room is what's is, you know, change for the sake of change can be valuable for a group like this, particularly if the front office is relatively committed to bringing back the same gang of dudes. Yep. Agreed. All right, Joe, I'm gonna let you get out of here. Uh, subscribe to the Oregonian support local newspapers. Uh, you can read Joe's work at OregonLive.com. He's not just writing. He might be Blazer Freeman, but Blazer he's, not, Freeman. he's not just writing about the Blazers anymore. <laughs> the man has de- great depth, great versatility. He's the Robert Covington of the Oregonian sports department. He gets it done when you need him to get it done. <laughs> And I don't even know what to say to that. And I'll just be like, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, and he's from the Mid South. Yeah, just like just like Rocco. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, follow Joe on follow Joe on Twitter at Blaze Freeman on Twitter. Read his stuff in the Oregonian. Subscribe to local newspapers. Joe, thank you so much. Uh, five years from now, set your calendar. I'll have you back on the program. Michael, it was a pleasure. Anytime, I'm I'm happy to join you to talk hoops, and we could go on better tangents next time too. Talk about food. Talk about college football. We could we could go in all directions. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm holding off on college football talk until <laughs> until Carolina gets a win. Otherwise, this was going to be mostly Carolina football talk. But we'll we'll ch- I'll chill for a little bit. All right. That's going to do it for today's show. We got Mailbag Monday coming up this week. If you want to get involved, it's our weekly mailbag show recorded each week on Mondays and posted on Tuesdays. If you want to get involved in that one. Send me an email, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or watch my Twitter feed on Monday. I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions and you can respond to that one. Tell your friends about this podcast. Blazer basketball's coming about five weeks away. We're, we're you know, three weeks away from training camp. It's, it's a coming. So tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.